Welcome to Northgate. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Northgate. Welcome this Sunday morning. Uh, we are entering summer here. First day of summer or whenever you're watching this video, what a beautiful week it has been. And we're so thankful for this opportunity to teach God's word in the book, excuse me, of 1 Corinthians. We're going to carry on where we left off last week. Last week we were in chapters 5 and 6. And we were talking about Paul's instruction as there was sin in the church and some were struggling with sexual immorality. We learned of our value in Christ and we looked at the Passover and realized because of what Christ has done for us, we need to flee these earthly temptations and run away. Um, this week, something completely different, but let's pray and we'll get into God's word. Well, thank you, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Pray that you would help my words to honor you and that you would be working to encourage, to exhort anyone who is listening. God, we do love you and pray this in your name. Amen. So the city of Corinth, we know, immoral, not only sexually, but also in business dealings. It was uh for the most part, we know a very active city economically on a little bit of a trade route from water bringing goods in. And in this church, not only are there problems uh, of sin in regards to the flesh of sexuality, but there are problems economically. And what we learn in chapter 6 is there's tremendous disunity amongst some. There's been offenses, and those offenses have not been uh, reconciled within the church. And so Paul is going to speak to that and how they can grow uh, to reconcile with one another. So let's read in chapter 6, if you want to follow along, verses 1 through 8. It says in verse 1, Dare any of you, having a matter against the other, go to law before the unrighteous? And not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life, if then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? Verse 5. I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? Verse 6, but brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Verse 7, now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that you go to the law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. So Paul very clearly stating some things to help them with this issue, these offenses that happen in the body of Christ. They happen all over. And the question is, how do we handle it when there's offense in the body of Christ within 
the church. Now I want to speak a little bit. This isn't speaking of a criminal case. Paul himself was involved in those and appealed to Caesar in the book of Acts. So he's not speaking against that. He's not speaking against believer to unbeliever. He's speaking to two believers who have offense and difficulty with one another. He makes it clear that they have the ability to handle this as a church in these first couple of verses. And I just want to just bring forth something in any offense. Sometimes we do need a third party. Uh, it, re- just, it, it helps to bring truth. And what he's saying is, you in the church, with the renewed mind of Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to bring forth wise judgments. Uh, I thought of the Old Testament, Moses. This is nothing new in the Bible, by the way. Conflict all the way back to the book of Exodus. There was conflict and, and Moses would judge between them. A nation, it's bound to happen. We're people. Um, we do bad things. We do wrong things. But Moses judged the people sun up to, to sundown. And his father-in-law came, Jethro, and said, you're not doing what is right. You're exhausting yourself. You need to appoint some men to delegate. You need to think whether they fear God and whether they're men of truth, it says there in the book of Exodus. And they can judge them to relieve all the pressure from you. He even goes on to say, Jethro, you need to teach them the law and then they can properly judge. Now think of that in terms of Corinthians. We have God's word. We have God's truth. So when we look to judge people, we base it on the truth of God's word. And when we have God's word, we can make fair judgments that seek to do right. But not only that, Paul says someday... We will judge angels. Quite an interesting thought. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. I'm sure some of you have. I don't think it's the righteous angels in heaven, but probably the unrighteous angels who chose to leave with Lucifer. But we will be judging the world as believers, maybe in the millennium, and then these unrighteous angels. And he's saying in that, because you have... A renewed mind, when you believe in the Holy Spirit comes in you, your heart and your mind is renewed, and you have access, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, to all spiritual wisdom. So you can look at what is happening, and you have truth, but then you have spiritual discernment, even to look beyond what is said, and God's Word comes alive, a situation that you can judge and have this wisdom. So basically his argument is saying, you're gonna judge supernatural things. Why can't you judge small things on this earth? Well, does small things seem as big things, but he's saying, listen, you're empowered. You have truth. You have access to all wisdom. This can be handled in the church. You don't want to go to the world to solve your problem. And of course, we're talking about offense again, one another, someone wanting something from another because something has happened. And again, this happens all the time within the church. There's always offense. But 
we can deal because our God desires that we would try to bring forth reconciliation always and we have the power of the Holy Spirit to bring that. But what we don't want to do in these situations is to go to the unbeliever and that is for primarily the reason is that our witness is marred, it's ruined, it's blackened because the world would look in and say, wow, you guys are supposed to be loving each other, forgiving each other, and all I hear is bitterness and anger. And take it into the context of the history of the church in Corinth. The reality was there that they had no entertainment, they had no TV, there was no movie theaters. So these court cases became really an entertainment thing to them. They would happen in the middle of town square. History would tell us and people would gather to hear them and then be entertained by them. And, you know, that's happened a little bit. You know, we do have little TV shows of court cases. They seem to be quite popular. Um, but even live court cases, I remember a kid, the whole O.J. Simpson thing. And I was in college and everybody was watching that. And everybody wanted to see what happened. Um, but just think these are offense things. And the whole town is gathered. Coming is Christians who don't get along. And Paul is saying, this is not good because our God is a God of reconciliation. Our God is a God of love, and yet we're presenting the opposite. So he's very uh, strongly encouraging them, listen, you guys have the ability within the church to handle those things, and as we submit ourselves to the process, God wants to work to change lives. But the key and I think the biggest point to all of this as we come to the end of it and the thing that we can apply to to all our lives is even getting to this point is not what God would want. And Paul tells them clearly in verse 7, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? forgiveness, being like Jesus. It's interesting when we're hurt, we usually want vengeance. Um, in little ways, I, I definitely have seen that in my life. A silly example like sports, if someone hurts me or does a bad play, take the number, take the number. And it's almost as human beings sometimes we think when we're hurt, if we get vengeance, somehow it's going to help us. Uh, in some capacity, if I hurt that person back, I will relieve the pain I feel from what they do. And that is such a worldly perspective, and it is not God's perspective. I would even say that is the forces of bitterness, the demonic forces of bitterness working in all our lives. And we all have to face that, but we have to fight these battles with spiritual weapons and not earthly ones. The earthly weapon wants me to fight back. It wants me when I'm hurt to get something from you because you owe me and I'm going to get it no matter the cost to relieve my pain. But Paul is saying, 
No, that's not the way to go. The way of Christ, as we look at Jesus, as he was hurt, was to forgive and to release the debt. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Obviously, we brutally hurt him through our sin. We've sent him to the cross. But God has forgiven us completely, even before we ask. Now, whether we accept that or not is another story. But Christ went to the cross with us in mind. Not the renewed us who has asked for forgiveness. But rather, he knew who we were and died for us even before we knew to turn to him. He loved us while we were yet sinners, stuck, and he wasn't keeping score or count. It just reminds me as well of a, a beautiful parable in Matthew. I'm going to turn there in my Bible, and maybe you want to turn along, but uh, Matthew 18 and Peter, uh, maybe frustrated in some capacity, asked the Lord, how often um, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? So my brother's offended me. My brother's hurt me. We don't hear if these are little things or big things, any things. And Jesus says to him in verse 22, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. The whole idea is continually you never stop. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one who was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he, he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with the compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But the master went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him, took him by his throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down at his feet, begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Verse 30, then he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant? just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. Just a strong parable indicating to us that our role is to forgive because we have been forgiven. Forgiveness is the key to release the burden of our desire for vengeance upon other people. We need to learn to heal ourselves through the understanding of what God has done 
for us. Yeah, there's so many different ways to put this, but the bottom line is always the same. Our peace, um, our sense of understanding, of release, of freedom, only comes in understanding God's forgiveness and the massive debt we had than releasing our brothers and, that, and our sisters. And that's what Paul is saying so clearly to them. Like, okay, in the church, we should have the ability to reconcile through the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. We don't want to go outside of the church because that shames the name of God. But we have the ability to forgive so reconciliation should happen and it shouldn't even get to that point because if we're living like Jesus and we know our forgiveness, we should be forgiving one another. And it doesn't matter in life. I know in my life, maybe your life, um, through whatever relationships we have in business or dealings or in marriage or in relationships or parent to child or child to parent, um, neighbors to neighbor, uh, we know that there's going to be offense. And we know there's many times that we are hurt, but we have this great ability to release through forgiveness. And it brings such amazing freedom. And it destroys the enemy's work of bitterness and offense. And I really do believe this is a spiritual battle. And in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, when we walk in the flesh in this world and with this battle, we cannot uh, fight in the flesh, but we have to use spiritual weapons to fight these worldly battles. And the greatest or one of the greatest spiritual weapons we have is grace and forgiveness. So our flesh in the world, again, wants to fight and walk like the world and get vengeance. But God is saying there's a greater spiritual weapon we have and he's exampled it to us in the heavenlies, and that is forgiveness. And as we use that spiritual weapon, we diffuse and defeat all these earthly battles of vengeance and bitterness and judgment. And God continually makes it clear to me that we cannot fight tic-tac one thing for another. You did this, I did that but spiritually fighting in the heavenly realm with the armor of God saying, this is your truth, you have forgiven me, I will forgive others. It's amazing because it does defeat the enemy, but in our lives, it gives us freedom. The moment we forgive, the moment at times we ask for forgiveness, we are set free. The burden is taken off our back of that, that 
bitterness, that spirit of bitterness and anger. And no matter what happens, we are free and clear. And we don't have to proceed because God is with us. Um, so our good friend Leah, for another reason, had painted a picture for my wife. And uh, I love this picture. And I think it relates today because if we don't forgive, we're in bondage and we truly are hurting ourselves. And if we're seeking that vengeance to feel better, what it is, we're just tying ourselves down like a bird tied down who can't fly the way God wants them to fly. It, it's just, we're tied down by this spiritual battle and God has this weapon to set us free and it's looking at him and his grace and then giving it. But she drew this beautiful picture here and I want to uh, kind of put it in the camera there. But if you can see it, it's this beautiful bird about to take flight. And what has happened is you can see that it was tied to this branch. It was enslaved to this sin. But God has broken this and now freedom is what awaits. And that's what I want to get across today is that God wants us to live in freedom. And our freedom comes spiritually when we understand this amazing forgiveness and it flows through us that we offer it and we're set free then to be all that Christ has called us to be. It's amazing what God has done for us. It is amazing the master he is. Our debt is so great and he has set us free but he set us free not to hold other people in bondage. He set us free to be free, to walk with him, and to release others with this amazing gift of forgiveness. And that's why Jesus said, you know, you need to forgive others to understand and live in my forgiveness. Oh God, would you help us today? Would you empower us? So Jesus, we want to be free. And whether now, uh, in the past or in the future, we're going to be offended. We're going to be hurt. And we know that Satan would like to get a foothold and work in our spirit to create burden and heaviness. He wants to create bitterness and anger. But Lord, would you help us to see how we've been forgiven and then allow ourselves to be cheated, as Paul said, to be hurt for the sense that we are understanding forgiveness to give it. Holy Spirit, help us. Jesus, we need your help. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Just want to throw one little last point in there. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. So I'm required to forgive you and release you from your debt or your burden, but it doesn't mean I'm going to trust you and put myself in a position to get hurt again. But today we want to know the release. And as we're released, we use our minds and wisdom 
not put ourselves in the same positions again. But God is faithful to direct us and show us these things. So, Lord's blessings on you this week, and may we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.